Well, good morning, friends. Happy October. Woo, it's already here. Before you know it, Halloween and Thanksgiving, Christmas. It'll be the new year. Well, my name is Ryan. I'm the lead pastor here at Radiant Life, and it's good to see everyone from our first-time guests. Welcome to our regular attenders, those that call Radiant Life their family and home church. It's so great. We've been on a series called Starting Over, and it's this idea of looking at regrets in our lives, the shared common emotion we all have together in this room. So turn to someone around you and just say, I'm with you. And turn to your other person, someone else that you've never spoken to and just say, hey, I'm with you too. I'm really excited for next week because we're going to celebrate baptism together. And so we're serious. If you haven't taken the next step in your walk with God Go ahead and get baptized. Sign up for it. Even now, grab that connection card, Circle B. We're going to celebrate next week those lives that have been changed by Jesus and want to go public with it. And it's going to be great. So Circle B on those connection cards. And here's what I like to tell people real quick, uh, a disclaimer on baptism. Do it before it's too late. Right? I often hear from people, I'll do it next time. And I want to say, you never know if there's going to be a next time. That sounds horrible, right? It sounds like, oh, we're all going to die now. No. But you never know. Don't hold out. Just do it. All right? And I'll tell you, from the experiences we've had, the amount of people that I still hear from that we've baptized, to say that was an incredible experience. And it's life-changing. So get baptized. Sign up for it. Quick review on our Starting Over series. The types of regrets that you and I face have categorized it into three groups. The first is this, regrets of what? Action. These are those regrets that we say, don't, why'd I do that? These are some of us, we may have had this just this morning, right? Waking up, ah, why'd I do that? Why'd I say that? All those things. Regrets of action in our lives. The second category is regrets of inaction. Those are those opportunities that we've missed, time wasted, that we can't get back, but we look back and say, man, I just missed out. And then the last group is regrets of what, friends? Reaction. Those moments that happen in our lives that because we live in a sinful, broken world, that things just happen to us. It may not even be our fault but we react to them emotionally and we regret that thing ever happening in our lives. And when we suffer with regrets, if you've been here for the last couple of weeks, you've seen this, that we get stuck in this sorry cycle. We regret, whether it's an action or reaction or inaction, we long to get out of this regret, but oftentimes you may want to get out so badly and you long for things, during this longing you create more regrets and we just get stuck from regret to longing, regret to longing. It feels like we're stuck there. But the good news of who Jesus is that I follow, that you may follow, is that Jesus allows our regrets to be starting lines, not finish lines. And that we don't have to get stuck in what's known as the sorry cycle. That you and I can live with Jesus a life beyond regrets. And so this morning, I want to paraphrase what we've learned so far. We've been learning steps on how do we get out of this thing, because we all suffer from some type of regret. How do we get out of it? We've looked at two steps so far, and we'll do the third this morning. The first step is, let's read this together. Recognize your regret. 
if you were here, you remember the tub of water I had on the stage, the beach ball, and the idea is that we have that tendency to hide our regrets, and I shove that beach ball under the water. And that's what we do with our regrets and heartaches and pains, our stories, is that we shove it, we hide it all. But in order for you and I to begin to get out of this sorry cycle and live a life beyond regret, we have to realize, I have a regret. It's there. And you and I know it doesn't stop there once we recognize our regret. Last week we talked about releasing your regret. You remember the one word for us to release our regret was what? Forgiveness to the one person that listened last week. (laughs) Forgiveness. How do you release your regret? You recognize it, you move over, and you forgive and forgive and forgive and release that thing to God through forgiveness. But there's one more step, my favorite step. Here's step number three, redeem your regret. Can we say this together? Redeem your regret. I love that. Do you know the God that you and I serve is in the business of redeeming and restoring everything that is broken and lost? It's the entire narrative, the entire story of God What he's still doing, from the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation, he is redeeming everything that's lost. I'm often asked, Ryan, can you put one word to the Bible? Summarize the entire God's word in one word. Redemption. That's what God's after. Redemption. And you and I have regrets in our lives that God wants to redeem. And I truly believe this morning, this is what God wants to teach us. Oh, I'm sorry, Romans, this is not 328, by the way. That would have been a really long chapter in Romans. This would have been the chapter we all skipped over, like, okay, chapter 9. That's supposed to be Romans 28. Romans 8, 28 says this. And we know that in, what are those two words? All All things. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. All things, bad things, good things, things that you and I regret, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. All things. And the thing I think God wants to teach us this morning, as we are in part four of this series, is this, that your worst moments are where God can do his best work. Let's, let's read this with passion, okay? Let's read this like Jesus is teaching you, okay? Because I think you're going to give it a little more passion, all right? Here we go. Ready? Your worst moments are where God can do his best work. Oftentimes, we look at our worst moments, and those are the things we want to hide. But realize that God is in the business of redeeming everything that's lost and broken, and that's where he can shine through the greatest. So this morning, before we look into God's word and our story, I want to pray for us. So let's, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for, first and foremost, your word. Something that just changes us, it shapes us, it's a, that double-edged sword that just pierces our heart. It's so alive, and it's active, and it's life-giving, and life-transforming. And I thank you so much. I thank you every Sunday that we have the freedom to come in here in places all across the world that's happening this morning 
to look at your word, to have your Holy Spirit reveal things to us so that we can live like you, Jesus, more and more and have the courage to share your love fearlessly. We thank you so much. Holy Spirit, will you speak to our hearts where we need to be spoken to? May we receive your words with soft hearts this morning. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone together said, amen. Amen. So if you have your Bible or your tablet or your phone, you're going to want to turn to the Newer Testament, two-thirds of the way through your Bible, and get into John, a guy by the name of John, chapter 4. We're going to start right there, uh, close to verse 1. But while you turn there, or flip it, or whatever you do on the screen, um, John's a disciple of Jesus. So meaning John got to spend, he's part of the 12, the inner circle of Jesus' best friends. He gets to spend life with Jesus for three, three and a half years, saw the miracles, and now he's writing this letter that you and I get to have and look into. And to set this story up, we have to understand that Jesus is gaining a lot of ground. His popularity is starting to skyrocket. And he's got these 12 disciples this inner circle of 12 that are beginning to baptize people. And that traction is growing. And Jesus had already been baptized by John the Baptist. That's why you should get baptized, because Jesus did and do it. (laughs) Another plug for baptism. Uh, But it's awesome. And his traction, his popularity is just growing, growing, growing. And Jesus is going to make a journey. He's in a region called Judea. He's going to make a journey up to the Sea of Galilee, the Galilee region. It's like a resort up there. He spends 80% of his ministry time there at the region. Let me show you a map real quick. Um, Just ignore this white line. This is just the journey that Jesus takes to his crucifixion on his way from the Sea of Galilee down to Jerusalem. Down at the bottom is Judea. So that's where Jesus and this story takes place. They're going to begin there and work their way to the region of Galilee up there. And you've got this land in between Galilee and Judea known as Samaria. And we're going to encounter someone there. Um, Just for fun, because this is a cool map, you have the Decapolis. So this is where the story of the demonic that lives in the cemetery, if you know anything about that story in Scripture, that's where that takes place, where Jesus delivers the demons out out of the guy that lives in the cemetery and goes into the pigs, and the pigs run off into the sea. This happens right here in the Decapolis. Really Greco-Roman, super pagan during the time of Jesus. Up here you have the Tetrarchy of Philip. That is one of Herod the Great's sons. And when Herod the Great dies, he divides this entire land with his three sons. And one of them, probably his least favorite, only gets that portion. (laughs) But there's that. There's a beautiful map. What do we know about Samaria? Because this is where the key conversation is going to take place. The Jews hate them. They despise them. And you sit there and say, why? The Jews view them as less educated. They view them as this mixed breed that we don't associate with. We completely ignore them. Why? A little history real quick before we jumped in, because context matters to the story. Is This region of Samaria was actually in 722 B.C. The Assyrian Empire ruled during this time. And they came in in 722 B.C. to the northern kingdom of Israel. Israel was divided at this time. They were united. 
under um, King Saul, King David, King Solomon for a period. Then under Solomon, it divides into the northern kingdom and southern kingdom. 722 B.C., the Assyrian Empire says, let's go over there and defeat them. We want to take as much land as possible. They come in to the northern kingdom called Israel, exile all the Jews into, back into their empire. And so when they come back after a certain amount of time, the Jews that intermarried the Assyrians wanted to come back to their homeland, and they uh, ended up staying in this region of Samaria. So the Jews that come in that are pure blood Jews and say, you're not like us anymore. You intermarried with a pagan empire, Assyria. So we don't like you. You're not one of us. So they were hostile against each other. They did not like each other. You avoided Samaria. Not very nice what they did, but they, they just avoided each other. We don't like you. You don't like us. Fine, we avoid. We'll walk around you. But Jesus goes through Samaria. Now, we looked at this story back in February, I believe, but we're going to take another angle at this. And the story is Jesus and the Samaritan woman. John chapter 4, verse 6, we get a little clue on what's happening. John 4, verse 6. It says, Jacob's well was there. Where was there? The city of Sychar. Let me hear you say Sychar. Sychar's in Samaria. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, the journey from Judea up to Galilee, he sat down by the well, okay? There's a well there, wells you get. What do you get from a well? Water. So Jesus is hanging out by a well. He's going to meet someone that wants some water. But John puts this little nugget of truth in there. It was about what? Noon or the sixth hour, depending on your translation. If you see six hour and you're like, how do you get noon out of that? Real quick, their time ran from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Basically in their world, sunrise to sunset. So the sixth hour is noon. It was noon. This hinges, the whole story hinges on this. Because you don't get water at noon. It's too hot. You avoid the heat. And so the only time you get water is in the morning when it's cool or in the evening when it's cool. The only people that go and get water midday for them are the social outcasts in the culture and in the communities. It's the only time. So immediately to um, John's writers, that he, the audience he's writing to, ding, 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 signals are firing off in their head. This is not normal. And you know something significant is about to happen. And Jesus is going to meet this Samaritan woman at the well. This woman who has been ostracized by her own society, her own culture, her own city. And Jesus is going to have this uh, conversation with her about water. She goes there with her jar to get water. And Jesus is going to talk about a whole different other water. And here's part of that conversation. I'm going to, we're going to pick it up in verse 14, 13. It says, this is the conversation that's happening between the woman and Jesus. This is Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of, well, a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now remember, this woman is ostracized from her community. 
She's on the fringes. She has a reputation that's not good. She is broken goods. And all of a sudden, you meet this Jew, this Jesus, when you think you're going to the well, when no one else is there, because no one likes you. And you're having this conversation, and this Jesus is saying, I will give you a water, and you'll never thirst again. I imagine in her mind, she's sitting there going, please, 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 give me this. Because you have no idea how broken I am right now. Jesus and the woman continue in their story. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I don't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go, call your husband, and come back. Story continues. I have no husband, she replied. I have none. And Jesus said to her, You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you had how many? Five. <laughs> you don't have a husband, you've had five. And the man you have now is not your husband. What you've said is quite true. Can you imagine the tension that must fill that space right then and there? Sitting there, thinking no one else is coming to the well. It's just me. I don't have to see anyone. The community doesn't, hate, doesn't like me. I'm just going to go, get my water, go back, do what I have to say, avoid people. And all of a sudden, I meet this Jesus, a Jew, talking to a Samaritan, which doesn't happen. A man and woman talking in the middle of the day is scandalous during this time. That doesn't happen. And yet here is a Jew telling me all these things about this living water, and I want this eternal life because my life is full of regrets. It's broken. It's shameful. I want it all. And then he tells me, go get my husband, and I have to really say, I don't have one. And then he says, yeah, I know, you have fought, you've had five, and the one you're living with isn't your husband. Can you imagine the heartache that she's experiencing right now in this conversation with Jesus? And the story continues on that she kind of deflects Jesus a little bit, and they begin to argue some worship points. Because she's a Samaritan, Jesus is a Jew, they're arguing some worship things. And the end of the conversation, it picks up that it takes a funny turn, because she knows that there's this Messiah coming, the Savior. And here's what she says towards the end of the conversation in verse 25. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. I think it's awesome. Then Jesus, or I'm sorry, just then his disciples returned and were what? Surprise! Surprise! Can you imagine? To find him talking with a woman, Right? The disciples are off trying to find some food, and they're coming back, and, I, you know, they could be carrying KFC or something, and walk in, and like, oh, what are you doing, Jesus? You're talking to a woman, scandalous. You're talking to a Samaritan. We hate them. What are you doing? And they're surprised. That's what's awesome about Jesus. Turn to someone and say, Jesus is awesome. Now, we're going to do that again because, again, if, if this was Jesus up here saying it, you know how much passion you would say that, right? So turn to someone else and say, Jesus is awesome. Jesus is awesome. 
Here's what is so awesome about Jesus. The woman, the Samaritan woman, encounters Jesus at the well. She goes back. And John writes, she leaves her jar at the well. She's so excited or something, she doesn't care about what she came to the well in the first place because the jar stays at the well. She goes into the city and begins to tell everyone, I met this Jesus, you got to come see him. He's awesome. And then this is the hinge of the story. It is so awesome. In verse 39, it says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the, what are those two words? Woman's testimony. She had a story to tell because she encountered Jesus. And she couldn't keep it quiet. She went back into the town. The town that... Everyone hated her. She's the desperate housewife. She's the wife or she's the woman that's had five husbands. She's scandalous. And she goes back into the place that they despise her, that she's marginalized and says, you got to experience this Jesus. And when she does that and begins to share her story, her encounter with Jesus, Many of the Samaritans come to follow him. I'm going to tell you, Jesus and God are in the business of redeeming everything that was broken and lost. And Jesus is constantly taking the last, the least, the broken, and bringing good news out of it for his glory and advancing his kingdom. It's a broken story. I imagine that woman had so many regrets. She's sitting around the well saying, Jesus, you got to stop this. All these regrets are flooding me. you got to stop this. And then she goes and shares her story. And I want to share a piece of mine this morning. I grew up in this church. Uh, love this church. Never thought I would be back to the church especially not in this role. <laughs> and uh, now I get the privilege of leading and um, just advancing God's kingdom here in our community in Sturgis and beyond. And uh, growing up in the church, it was great. I, I, I remember a lot of you uh, used to teach me in Sunday school and remember all that fun stuff. And I remember this was the first place I ever ate glue. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I ate glue, but I did. I remember it on a Wednesday night. And uh, I, as I advanced on through the kids' programs, I entered the youth, and for what, who knows why, I joined our youth worship band, and I can't sing. I can't play an instrument. You don't want to be by me down here while I sing, because it's horrible, right? Um, anyone else like that? You're like, I'm just, I can't sing. You know what? The Bible says make a joyful noise. It doesn't say make a good noise, so I'm making a joyful noise. <laughs> and um, I, I was on the team, and, and things were going great. And I remember being in 10th grade, and I went over to a friend's house during spring break. And I remember seeing pornography for my first time. And I remember leaving his house thinking how dirty I was and how damaged I was. 
Then it was kind of a struggle for a year in my life. I was still singing in the praise team, and I remember just that, why? God, I'm trying to do everything for you, and then I get this disease called ulcerative colitis, Crohn's disease. I get that on me, and it's just like, man. (sighs) And then over time, I had this anger just build up inside of me. My parents are here. My parents can tell you I had to read this temper book all the time (laughs) when I got in trouble. I had to read this little booklet about this little boy that's like his face is red and he's got steam coming off, you know, and I got in trouble all the time. I had to read that book in my room. And I just had this anger just starting to build up over time. And I know I've shared this before that I was dating my wife Katie at the time and, you know, she would say this relationship is not going to go on unless this anger, you're scaring me. I had all this, and then you go to college, and you, you know, you change, I changed my major four times, just wrestling, like, what am I supposed to do in life, and knowing my history and what had happened there with that struggle of pornography for a while, and I changed four times. High schoolers, I don't recommend changing that many times. It means you go to college longer, which means you have bigger bills when you get out of college, It's hard for an 18-year-old to jump into college and figure out what you want to do the rest of your life. And um, my freshman year, I just remember God tugging on my heart, going to ministry, going to ministry, and I said, no. And so I went the education route. I love teaching. Went into the education route, got my certificate. Um, I'm able to teach 6th through 12th graders, and I just knew it still wasn't right. And I remember two conversations with God, one in the car, of not feeling like I'm just, I'm not doing what I'm called to do. I, just, I felt that. And God speaking to me and says, I called you for ministry. And, I, and the devil wanted to remind me of my past. I remember God saying, Ryan, that does not disqualify you. I'm bigger than that. I'm bigger than that. But in my mind, no, you weren't, God. And why is this thing still here? God says, I'm in the business of redeeming and restoring things that are broken and lost. Do you trust me? I said, a little. (laughs) Depends on where you take me. (laughs) And then another conversation, um, I was getting ready in the morning, I remember breaking down in the shower, just saying, God, I surrender everything all the time to you, but the one thing I haven't surrendered yet was my will. I wanted to surrender my life to you, but... I wanted to do my will and my thing still. I just wanted to bring you along for the ride. So in that moment, I started praying. I surrendered my will. And I want you to know you are loved by your heavenly Father no matter what you've done. You need to, someone needs to hear that this morning. You're a beautiful mess you got to turn to your neighbor and call him a beautiful mess. Go ahead. You have permission. (laughs) You know why you're beautiful? Because your heavenly father loves you. You are an adored son. You are a cherished daughter of the most high king. You are a beautiful mess. And what God wants to reveal to you this morning is that our mess is his message. I wrestled with God this past week like I haven't wrestled with him in a long time. 
Because I didn't want to share that with you. God said, Ryan, do you want to live out what you're teaching? Yes, I do. You don't ever argue with God. You lose every time. And don't do it the hard way. Just, just do it the first time. And uh, he says, why don't you want to share it? And I said, because I don't want their view of me to change. He says, Ryan, your mess is my message. Recognize your regret. Release it. Let me redeem it. And go do what you're called to do. I would tell you, there's an enemy of our souls and of our minds, and when we listen to him, we will get derailed. I love saying this. Remind the enemy of his future. He's defeated. And I come up here every single Sunday with some passion in my heart because I know what it's like to be in chains and be released from change and walking in victory with Jesus Christ. I know what that's like. I love Michigan football, but give me Sunday morning any day over Michigan football. Give me our worship team. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus and some coffee and we're good. We can go places. We can go places. But I want you to understand, you are not damaged goods. You are not disqualified. Your heavenly father loves you. Allow your mess to be his message. And who knows what will happen with it. I don't think that Samaritan woman knew when she went back to that city that all these people were going to follow Jesus because of her story, and they did. What story do you have that you haven't told yet? Because you're afraid. Allow your mess to be his message. Worship team, you can make your way up. I want to close with this one verse, and I wear this t-shirt proudly. It says, made new, and I love that our baptism's all about being made new. We looked at this verse at the very beginning of our series in week one of Peter. After Peter denies Jesus, imagining that regret that he had, and then Peter goes on to write a letter in our Newer Testament called First Peter. And this is what he says. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us what, friends? One more time, he's given us what? New birth into a living hope. You and I, with Jesus, we are made new. Let our past be the past. Let our eyes focus on the one who makes us new and allow our mess to become his message. Think of Moses. Think of all the characters in God's word. They're messed and how God redeemed them and restored them to bring glory into his name. Moses was a murderer, a guy full of anger and rage, and God redeemed him to lead his people out of 400 years of slavery into freedom. He was a murderer, but God redeemed. Ruth, 
Ruth was an idol worshiper. She was a pagan, and God redeemed her and restored her, and Jesus' lineage comes from this former idol worshiper. And you think of Paul, who wrote two-thirds of our Newer Testament. Paul hated Jesus. He hated the Jesus movement. He voted to execute Christians, Jesus followers. He put his vote that they would die, and God got a hold of his life, and Paul became the greatest missionary in the ancient world, starting churches everywhere. God is in the business of redeeming what was lost and broken. We don't have to get stuck in our regrets because we have a Savior who went to the cross for you so we can walk in victory. May we walk in this victory that Jesus gives us. You are made new. So church, let's live like that. Let's live victoriously. And if you're still hung up on regrets, God's word says that as far as east is from the west, do you know how far that is? It's far. <laughs> it's real far. As far as east is from the west, your sins are forgiven. We're really good at remembering our regrets. I wonder if sometimes we pray to God and God's saying, what are you, what are you talking about? already forgiven you. Go walk in victory. Go walk with a new birth. And go walk with a living hope. Can we just close our eyes and bow our heads this morning? There's some of us this morning We felt like our past has just disqualified us. And we know that that devil, the enemy of our soul, is after us. And that this morning is the morning you're ready to nail down that surrendered life with Jesus. There's others of us this morning who know our regrets and maybe we've just gone away from God and this is this opportunity to come back to God this morning. I want to lead us in a prayer this morning. Never surrendered your life or you're ready to come back to this God that loves you deeply. We just say this in your heart. Just say, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for loving me. When I feel unlovable, when I feel dirty, when I feel like damaged goods. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to the cross for me, for my forgiveness, bearing my sins so I can walk in this victory. This morning I surrender my life to you. I put my faith and trust into you, Jesus, the one who gives new birth, the one that gives a living hope. Thank you, Jesus, for making me new this morning. 
with all eyes still closed, if that was you this morning, I would love, as we do at Radiant Life, to just shoot your hand up because we want to just pray for you. But I like to say on the count of three because I like to remind us of a couple things of how loved you are. And the victory and freedom that awaits. So on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to shoot your hand up if you said that prayer this morning. One, God loves you so much. Two, you are an adored son of the most high king. You are a cherished daughter of our high king. Three, if you just want to shoot your hands up in the air this morning. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Yes, amen. Amen. Yes, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for new life. We thank you that we can have stories that are our mess, that are our brokenness, but that they're your message. Your message of redeeming and restoring all things that are lost. You are in the business of making us new. So we thank you that the old is gone and the new is here and we can walk in that freedom and in that victory. And we love you and praise you and we are amazed by you every single week. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. And everyone together said, amen. Will you high five three people around you real quick? fives here. Good morning. My name is Brandon. I'm our Community Next Steps pastor. I'd like to extend a welcome to you as well this morning. If you're visiting us this morning, I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, we're going to receive our tithes and offerings this morning. Uh, if you're a guest with us this morning, uh, that, that handout that you got, that, that piece of paper at the bottom, take that to our cafe. We'd love to give you free drinks and have a gift bag just to show our appreciation for you being here this morning. Uh, we're going to continue to worship, and we worship through our offering to God this morning. If you're visiting us this morning, uh, we love to say just sit on your wallet, let the plate pass you by. Um, this isn't a fee to come to church this morning. We're just really glad that you're here. But here at Radiant Life, uh, our church home, this is one way that we worship. Because of you, church, and your faithful investment here at Radiant Life, there's new life. People are being made new. And it's so awesome to be part of this movement. It is awesome. And I hope that you get excited about that. I get fired up when I see hands go up. Oh, my goodness. Praise Jesus for that. That's why we give. For his kingdom, for his glory. Let us pray. Jesus, thank you for new life does it ever get old thank you that lives are being transformed that people are taking their steps closer and closer to you help them in that Lord give us wisdom and discernment your word says that we can ask of that and you'll give it to us abundantly so Lord Jesus we come confidently to your throne and ask for wisdom Help us to advance your kingdom. Jesus, you have had your hand upon radiant life, and we, we praise you and we thank you for that. And we, we don't take that for granted. 
So help us to be good stewards of what you've blessed us with. Thank you so much for our church family. Thank you for the folks who are just kicking the tires about this whole Jesus thing. Thank you so much for everyone who's here. Jesus, we give you the, the praise, the honor, and glory this morning. In the wonderful name of Jesus, amen. We're going to sing another song here, and the plates are going to pass by. Would you stand with me as we continue to worship? <laughs>